I am so excited to talk to Jocelyn and Kristen again. We had a big long break because Kristen moved all the way to Florida. And um, in this pandemic, she moved all the way to Florida. So she and Jocelyn were very busy. They were developing two parenting courses, one about parenting um, through and after a divorce and one about just resilience-based parenting. We talk about both on this episode, as well as how we're dealing with COVID, what's stressful about COVID, about my, again, my collapsing from being exhausted and how other people must feel as worn out as I feel in this time period by some of the extra things you're having to manage. And I think it was a really great conversation. I'm always so impressed with these two women. They're so smart and beautiful and bright and positive, and they just want a better world for everybody. And I love that. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, McDermottMethod.com slash W-O-T-P is where you can go to find uh, Kristen and Jocelyn's resilience-based parenting um, course. It is a, a course where you get like a 10-minute audio session uh, or session episode, whatever you want to call it, and then a follow-up kind of email with an exercise to do that helps you raise resilient children. And it's really for any age child. So if you have teenagers like me, don't think it doesn't apply. Um, I think it does. So I'm going to join them right now. And I hope you do too. Um, and if not, you can always check out McDermottMethod.com and see what else they have available. The divorce-based parenting is also available at McDermottMethod.com. So thank you for showing up again this week. And thank you for all the emails. and. Thank you, everyone who says this podcast is helpful for them. That makes me so happy. It's really helpful for me, too. It's very selfish that I do this podcast. So it's good that in my selfishness, um, it helps other people. That's really great. So thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy Jocelyn and Kristen. I rode my bicycle past your window last night I roller-skated to your door at daylight It almost seems like you're avoiding me I'm okay alone, but you got something I need Well, I got a brand new pair of roller skates You got a brand new key I think that we should And that you get Bert's belly right beside your head. <laughs> oh, well, I could have this. Would you rather have that? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't trust me because when I sit at his desk, his his weenus is right here. It's just hovering right too. here. You guys give me a second. I'm going to figure out the video. No, no, no. I don't know. This is, I'll take this all day long. <laughs> all day long over that. This was... Oh my God, it's so <laughs> funny. Wait, believe- didn't some random fan send that to you guys or something? It wasn't actually as random. It was, oh. um, sorry, it was the, the show they were shooting for Netflix had that commissioned. And then they were like, well, what do we do with it? Just throw it out? And Bert <laughs> no was like, no, send it to my wife, please. 
Yeah. So lucky that's so great. Yes. Like anyone else in the world would want it. That would be terrifying. Well, you know, when he first got it, he hung it over George's bed. <laughs> oh my God. She definitely needs therapy. And she was like, oh my God. We, we did an episode, the three girls, and part of the episode on the podcast was talking about the effects of this portrait. She's like, I don't, I don't, I really don't ever need to see my dad like that ever. Oh, got it. I don't need him That's to be walking so around Vito. I don't need. Oh, yay. Oh, hi. Like magic. I know. I love that fireplace. That's such a pretty fireplace. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's a great background. It's There's better than Kristen was saying, this may not be my optimal background right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was seeing that. I kind of like it. <laughs> but this is better than this. <laughs> no, I want that one. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Hands off, lady. He's all mine. <laughs> How have you been? Can you hear me? Jocelyn, that's for you because we've already done the How Have You Been thing. Oh, yeah. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm still getting set up. God, you guys are, I'm, I'm normally so on time. Oh, you guys no have worries. like really outpaced me. No worries at all. Um, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. I see you have been putting McDermott Method video Zoom clips up on Instagram. They're awesome. Oh, thank you. Hey, thank you. We finally decided just the two of us just to try to like see what happens if we just, you know, chat, which usually one of those little two minute clips takes us like five tries over five days. And we literally hate each other by the end of, well, we don't hate each other. We hate the process. <laughs> we hate the process. We, oh. my- there's something very, very wrong with my internet and we have bought all the upgrades. We've done everything we can and it's just a disaster. So I'm probably going to glitch out. But every time Kristen and I record something, like it'll be so good and then my internet will crash mid-session. <sighs> and we're like, oh God. That's so, really frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah. She'll be like Japanese movie and then she'll come back and then, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's going to happen today. So... <laughs> Oh, life in the times of COVID, the things, the positive things it's brought, like innovation, like Zoom, like everybody does this now, which is kind of amazing. And, you know, there's a lot of other not great stuff, but it's great that I like seeing both of you talking to each other about resilience and parenting. I think it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, we opened our, we launched our parenting course last week. So we had our divorce course. And then we launched the parenting course on Friday. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And Very exciting. Do you want to talk about it a little bit so people know what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Kristen, go ahead. Are we, have we started? This always happens. Oh, we, where, started, we started way before. We this started. always soon. happens where yeah. I'm like, are you going to tell us to go? <laughs> you know by now I'm super casual. I know you guys are like, so... Tell me about the parenting <laughs> method. That's why it takes yeah, us Jocelyn. <laughs> That's why it takes us so long to get a video out because it's like so stilted for the first 15 tries. Um, <laughs> and then we just give up. We need to start having like a glass of wine at seven in the morning. Before we <laughs> Not do a it. bad plan. What do you mean start? <laughs> I thought that was allowed during COVID. You mean continue having <laughs> glasses exactly. of wine. So tell me about the parenting series. Or is it a series? It is a series. It's actually an entire year. So uh, we basically, what I have learned over the last 20 years of doing this, and actually the last 10 years of 
doing online things. I mean, actually with the whole cancer curriculum, we were just kind of way before our time, I think. Just now, finally, people are getting what, it, what it's like to go online and get these things. But is that you got to make it shorter and shorter and shorter. And so just, you know, little bite-sized pieces. And so even the divorce one, which we launched a couple of months ago, we now realize was just overload because we were sending a whole 10-minute audio lesson, sometimes even 15 minutes, every single day for 49 days. Oh, wow. People, people kind of get the idea that, like, if you miss one, you fall behind, which isn't true. But anyway, so for the parenting one, we're trying to make it so that it doesn't feel like a burden at all. And so we're sticking with the audio lesson thing. I really like the audio lessons because you can just click play wherever you are, you know, you're walking yeah. the dog, you're washing the dishes, you're driving the kids. Well, you're not driving the kids to school now, but you get it. Yeah. And it's 10 minutes at the most. So you're just getting whatever the lesson for the week is. And then a couple days later, we're going to send you an assignment. And it's something, you know, it's pretty, they're pretty simple. They're just conversations to have with your family members that do mm -hmm. things like build your home culture or help people identify their needs, you know, build your kids' strengths, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so, and those assignments always come with a worksheet. And then we always provide, you know, more resources if people want to go deeper. So mm -hmm. it's one topic a week and you get three emails and we're trying to make it so it's small enough that it'll fit in people's lives and they'll actually do it. So I think we've accomplished that. I love that. So how do yeah. I sign up? So I go to, yeah. well, our cart closes today. When's this podcast coming out? Yeah. <laughs> Thursday. Can well, you leave it open? open? No, but we'll reopen it for your people on Thursday. We'll, we'll give okay. you guys a special yeah. link. So, okay. Yeah. So it will be at mcdermottmethod.com slash W-O-T-P. Method.com slash W-O-T-P. Okay. I'll put a link to that on my website too. Awesome. Oh, it, okay. That won't be up until Thursday, but right. I mean, if you want to do it today, it's at resiliencebasedparenting.com. But Thursday for all your viewers, and we'll just keep it Wait, up. You said over it the too weekend. fast. What resiliencebasedparenting.com. Okay, parenting.com. So in the future, I'm assuming this will launch again, right? Yes, it will. Yep. Yes. So in the future, yeah. people could go to like if someone comes across this particular episode of this podcast in six months. They yes. can go to resiliencebasedparenting.com and see when your next series launches. Is that what right? did we decide, Jocelyn? I know I ask you this every time, but what did we decide about how often we're going to launch Can them? We? What'd you say? Quarter. Quarterly? Quarterly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So every quarter we'll have a new class of people who can go through. Awesome. And are you going to, like if I do my quarter and graduate, is there going to be a next, another level? Yeah. So what we wanted to do, so we have 10 pillars. And so what we wanted to do is basically cycle through, cycle through them each time so that you're getting a, you're getting, in the first one, you're just kind of getting a feel for what are all the 10 pillars. And then we're going to start cycling through so that you're building on your skills. So you're drilling down in the, yeah. in the next series. series. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I love this idea. This is a great yeah. idea. I wish I had this idea when I had really small kids. Because then, you, you know, foundation building is so important when you're parenting. Well, right? don't you remember? I mean, I remember when my kids were small and it was so overwhelming and you had to read whole books. Yeah. I mean, I had shelves of books, but like you read a whole book and you underline and everything, but then it's like, wait, what was that? You have to go back yes. to the bookshelf and get it out. And so we're trying to pull out little bite-sized pieces and organize them in a way that you can, you know, they're always available for you online. Right. I mean, they come in your inbox, but then they're always there really easy if you just want to, you know, go to the portal. I think that's amazing. 
I'm really excited about that. This is really, really great. So I'm going to sign up today for me. Yay. That'll well, be- it also seems like it was interesting because we decided to use the pandemic because people are on top of each other and it's just sort of exacerbating the things that are already challenges in your family. And so we use that as a lot of our examples right now. And then hopefully as we transition back into regular life, whatever that means at some point, then, you know, all that stuff is still valid, but then we'll start to, you know, use other things. But for now, there's so much good, good, bad stuff to talk about (laughs) because of the pandemic. Well, I'm glad you brought that up (laughs) because I wanted to talk about good, bad stuff with the (laughs) pandemic. Was because yeah. there's definitely good and bad stuff going on in my house relative to the pandemic. Example one, my highly social, uh, completely socially motivated, um, somewhat learning disabled 14-year-old, this has been borderline disastrous for her. Her motivation for learning is 100% social. Yeah. She bases her achievement on how she's doing within the context of her peer group. And she has no peer group. So since March, she has become almost afraid of social situations. Like she's forgotten how to be social and has been really struggling with school in a different way. She has absolutely no motivation whatsoever to invest in school in any way, shape or form. So I've been going back to your book about resilience, reading chapters here and there about, Hey, this is what's going on. It doesn't seem to be doing anything. I I don't know what it is about this moment in time for her has been really, really difficult. Um, I mean, that social piece is probably the single most common thing that I hear in my private practice. It doesn't matter if someone is 10 years old or, you know, 50 years old, not everyone is like super motivated or just kind of energized and stimulated by people. You know, some people have other ways that they kind of, they kind of fill themselves up, but for a lot of people not having that. Mm -hmm. is really throwing them for a loop. I mean, it makes me think of, you know how babies literally don't thrive. They call it failure to thrive if they Mm -hmm. aren't, you know, touched and if they aren't, we are social beings. And it's like, it's like a plant with no water when we don't have that. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear you and it's like, you know, I feel like in the beginning people were good about trying to reach out and make sure they did FaceTime and doing Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff. But now people are sort of just over that. Yeah. And you know, I mean, there have to be, you have to still find ways to be social because we can't, some of us, you know, can't, can't handle it if we don't have that in our lives. I mean, so what, like, what are her options for being social right now? Well, we have a couple families that are all in bubbles kind of together. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, and so I, we've been getting together with those other families a little bit and that gives her a little bit. It's still, you know, she's a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. She wants to be, she was really looking forward to finding some new friends. So I'm not sure her circle is completely her jam, her jam. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our bubble is not really her jam. Yeah. Um, even though it gives her a social outlet, it's really not her jam. So I don't really know what to do. I'm, we've been thinking about with school, just having little zoom party, you know, with just get to know people. 
Um, but I don't know anybody at our new school. So it's, it's just really challenging going to a new school. I, I know one other parent who we already have a relationship with. So it's not like, and she only knows me. <laughs> so we mm-hmm. don't have any resources outside each other. Um, but, you know, the thing, the thing that's been concerning me with her is um, understanding when to push her out of her comfort zone and when to leave her alone in the context of what's happening right now. You know, she, she, she really is scared of COVID. She's mm. really, really scared. So, like, one of her favorite things to do, perfect example, first day of school, Four years now, for nine years on the first day of school, we've been walking to Menchie's to get yogurt. Tradition, right? Menchie's is one block away. And on the first day of school, I said, let's go to Menchie's and get yogurt. She was like, no, 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 nope, not in a pandemic. And I was like, listen, we put masks on, we get the yogurt to go, we come home and we eat the yogurt at home, we wash our hands, we can't stop living life, and it's safe there. They're open. They're allowed to serve frozen yogurt. This is a safe option for COVID. And it took me like 20 minutes to talk her into going. And I, th- I kept saying, we can't, we can't stop life entirely. We have to just proceed safely. You know, use our noodle, proceed safely, and, and do our very best. And, you know, but that's one of those times where I was like, do I push her into this or do I leave her alone? You know, I mean, that's interesting because then now you're talking about is like the whole conversation about what is safe and what is not. And I feel like our kids and people, you know, people are getting conflicting information. So as a family, as parents, you know, we have to stay on top of that and figure out like what's going on in our kids' heads. Because sometimes they have stuff in their heads that we didn't even, we don't even necessarily agree with maybe, you know? And so... And it's interesting because it's like, it's changing all the time. You know, your kid can hear something that you didn't even realize they heard. And then, I mean, you know, pushing about safety is interesting because you want your kids to trust you, but Mm -hmm. it's not just like a one conversation thing. You know, it's like, like you did, it took 20 minutes and then sounds like you were able to convince her. Yes, we went and she was okay. But it was one of those times where I go, I actually like her her way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd said that to her. I like how you're thinking. This is good. Because then I think, well, she's going to be very careful. Once this all opens up, she's really aware. Or if we open up a little bit, like if she goes back to school in a hybrid format, mm-hmm. I know that she's going to be hyper aware of her safety, which is great, but it can't shut you down. Can't let it just shut you down. I think her inclination is to let it shut her down. And it's just the worst thing for her because she's so social. She's afraid to be with people, even in our bubble. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that she had so much anxiety until this happened. Mm-hmm. And now I find her to have a lot of anxiety. But um, specifically about the fear of COVID. I think so. But, you know, living with someone who has an anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. I sniff, I sniff the similarities. Of going, mm-hmm. mm, somebody might have their daddy's panic attack, dis- anxiety stuff, even though she doesn't really have panic attacks, is very similar to her dad's. Hi, Jocelyn. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. If it happens again, I'll just leave. And you guys can carry on without me. 
No, keep coming back. Keep coming back. All right. Well, I have to, um, I have a question for you because I always think in times like this is like to have yourself look for the exceptions. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when are those the best times? Like when are the moments that it seems like she's the best, you know, like, can you pinpoint those? Like when it's like, I don't know when she's not thinking about that or she's kind of more herself. Are there any that come to mind? Yes. She has two friends who are again in the, in a bubble and some of our bubbles. And when she's just with those two girls by herself, she seems to forget everything. Um, yeah. It's a social piece again. But I mean, I think that's interesting because like sometimes like may, and those are the people who might not totally be her jam. You said, right. I mean, they're not like, but you can see from the outside that even though that's true, it is, it's the best that she's got right now. And it's like, yeah. so I, as a mom would just try to promote and which you're doing, you know, those moments of her, you know, forgetting because she may in her head may have that story, which is maybe true. Is like, yeah, 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 it's fine, but they're not like my favorite people. I kind of want new friends. But if you see that it gives her a break, you know, yeah, push that. Because sometimes our kids, they just don't, they're not, you know, putting two and two together. And it's hard to think of those things. So you have to look for like, when are those moments that sometimes our kids would miss, like when they do feel like they get a break from it. Right, right. What else? Anything else besides that? You know, anything, like I always think, you know, there's, there's the using of your mind piece, right? The people I know who have projects, you know, and I know she's a kid, so she has got school, so that this may not, you know, but it's like the project, whether it's creative project or, you know, like Jocelyn and I have been super busy with work because we've been launching this pro, you know, those kind of things. It, like it does pass the time, you know, it does yeah. get you engaged. So you, you know, it's that sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Anything like that for her? I've been trying. I've been trying. She's, this is what she's doing. Mm-hmm. All day. Yeah. All day. That's what she, what's what she wants to do all day. So regulating that has been so exhausting for both my kids. They just want, but the problem is what she's doing on this is FaceTiming her friends. So I have a hard so time saying yeah. no, because that's what she needs. Both my girls are on FaceTime all day because they they need that connection. Yeah. But for me, Paul, that's another one of those things. How, how long does that go on? Because when I, what I've noticed is, you know, I read this book called Untangled about raising teenage mm-hmm. girls. It was a great book. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember from that book um, was that it's hard for, FOMO is really hard at a teenage level, mm-hmm. extremely hard. So if three friends are FaceTiming and you are trying to self-regulate and go, Oh, I've been on here for a while. I should probably get off. It's not going to happen because they're teenagers. And then mom comes in and it's so anxiety producing for them to be removed from the group that it is hard for me. Like I was saying with Isla, with her little anxiety stuff that's shown up since Corona has started to know when I need to go. No, you absolutely have to get off FaceTime. She has the two friends that are in the bubble literally are on FaceTime from like 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And they'll be doing stuff in their room. You know, one of them's knitting, the other one's maybe reading a book, but they need the connection. Mm -hmm. Isla doesn't function like that. Isla goes like this. 
And just <laughs> on FaceTime. I'm like, well, if you were knitting, reading a book while they were on FaceTime, I would be better about that. Or drawing, you know? Or That's what I'm guessing. Volunteer. What about something creative like that? You know, what about yes. like, yeah. But she, she's like, I don't feel like drawing. I don't want them to see what I'm drawing. They're going to ask to see it. It's very private, and I don't want that. Okay, play solitaire with a deck of cards, right? At least that's not an electronic. And no, I don't want to do that. I don't really like solitaire. So I can't get her. She's the most stubborn human on the planet. I can't get her redirected into something creative because she's so focused on being connected. And I'm actually having the same issue with Georgia is Georgia just wants to be on her FaceTime all the time because they need the connection. I mean, I know I, and I kind of feel like this is a unique time where as much as you want to regulate that normally, it does feel like it does feel exceptional right now that, you know, it's like that need to be with your peers. You know, that phenomenon that was happening where kids were staying up all night and sleeping all day. Did you read about that? No. Yeah. So high school and college kids, both being back in their parents' homes without like, this wasn't like everybody called each other and said, let's do this. It just started (laughs) happening because they, A, wanted to be away from their parents' control because they've been living, well, high schoolers, not so much, but you know, like always underneath your parents' control and be un, you know, bothered by their parents with their friends. And so they just started staying up later and later and later and like all night and then sleeping all day. And which is, it makes sense. Like they're supposed to be with their peers. Yeah. They're supposed to be pulling away from their parents in appropriate ways. You know, this has just been a situation that is not mostly not positive in those ways. You're not supposed to have to, you know, regulate your kids every moment of every day and be responsible for them. Yeah. Yes, that's how I feel. I keep trying to say to Isla, um, because she's in a brand new school with a brand new way of working, I keep saying, you have to, in your brain, think I'm physically in school, even though you're in your room. So the things that you're doing in your room while you're in school, you would never do at school, but that is so hard for her to regulate, you know, because it's her room. It's her safe space. It's her stuff. There's so many distractions. And, you know, we don't have a house that's large enough to have a study space that's not her room. Um, We tried that in eighth grade, and it was a disaster. There's too many distractions in the house. She needs to be in her room with the door closed to be able to focus. So I I feel like in some ways they're in a bit of an arrested development, right? I think you're right. That we just are in this holding pattern. It's such an important time of their lives. 14 and 16 is so kind of formative. So, but think about it, you know, it's formative because like in those little ways, they get to make their own decisions and take a few little risks and like, maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't. And now there's no opportunity for any of that. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a rest of development. I think you're, you're totally right. And so, I mean, every situation is different. It's like, I don't know how you hook a kid in, you know, and how do you try to get your kids little bubble of people to schedule at some point, like to make it so you all agree on some period of time during the day when you're going to separate from each other and do, you know, something like, you know, my kids, I'm able to get my kids to work out just because they buy into that. Like they like, they, they just stopped liking sitting around. Like we had a few weeks of just sitting around and then they just were like, I feel awful. Yeah. You know, like trying to get their friends to 
have the something scheduled right so that they get on a hook for a little bit of time but I, like each kid's different like what what's worth it what'll make them walk away yeah what'll make them walk away i i one of the one of the two moms i think would go would be on board with me with saying okay from noon to 2 mm-hmm. off but i'm not sure the other one is has that much regulation happening in her house um in general so mm-hmm. I don't know if it would work for that one. So I mean, that's interesting because Jocelyn and I were talking about how that sort of lack of structure that's happened. I mean, now school's starting, so it's different, but has been really hard on parents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not just for the kids that we need to kind of take control of the schedule, but as parents, I mean, I find myself just a short order cook. It's yeah. like someone walks out of their room at some random time and once I don't even know what meal it is, it's like... If I don't go to my office, I spend all day cooking little meals for people in my house. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like as much for the parent as for the kids. Like there's got to be some kind of structure, I think. But you guys are in school now, right? So are, isn't that happening again? Like at least the having to get up and do Sort that. of. It is still, um, this is their second and a half week of school. They had a half week and then a full week is their second full week. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, um, this online learning and their high school is doing a phenomenal job and you have to be a self-starter really for this to really work. And I have one self-starter and I have one not (laughs) self-starter. And the not self-starter is the ninth grader who is brand new format, brand new, you know, way of learning, brand new computer. She's on a ThinkPad. She's always had an Apple product. So, you know, it's not that big of a difference, but it is a little bit of a difference, a little learning curve with that. Um, And getting her to understand what they're trying to accomplish because they have... They gave us a schedule, you know, you, they have only two days a week where they are online with a teacher. The other two, oh. three days a week, they have things to do, like teachers will record a lecture from which they have to take notes, or they'll have a YouTube video from which they'll have to take notes or have a quiz, uh, or they'll have online um, ed puzzles and stuff they have to do. So they have schoolwork five days a week. But only two of those days are actually face-to-face with an adult. So I haven't heard of that. That makes it way harder. It's very hard for a non-self-starter 14-year-old who is motivated fully by her peer group. There's mm-hmm. no peer group. So it's been a real struggle to get her to understand that her 9 to 10 is biology class. Even though no one's watching, mm-hmm. 9 to 10 is biology. And then 10, 15 to 11, 15 is algebra. Even though no one's watching, it's still algebra. So if you don't get up and do your subject because the way they're kind of handling it is the teacher is literally at her desk, at her computer. And if you have a question, you can Zoom her really quick and say, hey, I don't understand this algebra problem. Can you explain it? But she's not actually lecturing or teaching. So they are doing, it's called asymmetrical, asynchronous, asynchronous, yes, asynchronous learning for those three days a week. And um, that's been really hard because I can't get her to understand why she can't just start her day at 11. 
<laughs> if it's her own day. And I'm right. like, because this, you wouldn't do that if you had to physically go to school. If they said you had to be at school at nine, you would be there. You're never late for school because of the social piece. But now she's like, screw it. I can start 11. What's the big deal? The not understanding that you're missing the opportunity to get help from your teachers. It's been really hard to get her to, to get that. Sounds like it. I haven't heard of that. Anyone having to deal with that. I mean, that's the way our school was too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So that just seems like it's hard on the parents. Oh, it was absolutely awful. I mean, now, now it's, my kids are doing an online school now that was online before this started and it's all asynchronous, but that's actually better because they can do it, you know, at night, they can do it on the weekend, whenever they want. So did you move them out of their school? You mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. But you have teachers too. So when do they access the teachers? So they can Skype them and then there are optional help labs. Are they enjoying it? We're on day four and mm-hmm. half of the days have been like really hard, but half of them have been great. I'm really positive. Like I feel really optimistic about it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Do you think this is a permanent shift? Oh, oh no. She's gone. She finally spoke and now she's. It's shut her down. Oh, there she is. You're back. Sort of back. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to stop talking. No, we want you to talk. No, I want to hear what you have to say. I'm just going to wave occasionally. Just write a note card and hold it up. I will read it. We, We have turned off every other wireless device in this house. This is the only thing connected to our Wi Fi and it's still doing this. I don't know. Um, so, um, do you think this is a permanent shift? Do you think your kids will just continue to, I guess that is that considered homeschool or? It's not, it's an actual accredited school. I think that we'll see, we'll see how the year goes. But are you committing to the year or just, I mean, yeah, you are committing to the year. Yeah. We pulled our, I mean, we officially pulled our kids from the private school in April, I think. And just, you know, kind of guessing that this was going to happen and put them in the online school. And I mean, I feel really good about it. They can work at their own pace. They can move ahead if they want to. They can slow down if they need to. Um, Like I said, two of the days were horrible, just like learning something new. Mm -hmm. Really frustrating for me. But um, But what? Not in a way that's unusual, you know? Uh, I see, yeah. Um, That's interesting. You pulled them in April. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's so interesting. Again, if Isla had not been socially locked into her eighth grade class and eighth grade being an emotional kind of moment and having this graduation, even though we didn't have any of it, she didn't see any of her peers, I probably would have pulled her too. I didn't pull, I'm sorry. I didn't pull them out in April. I just knew in April, we're not sending them next year. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. I I thought you you stopped in April. No, we suffered through that end of year bullshit. It was awful, (laughs) but we suffered through it. Yeah. It was, um, it was one of the most stressful, frustrating moments of parenting in the 16 years I've been a parent. Yep. It was not for Georgia because Georgia's school kind of just pivoted and um, listened, you know, when parents called and said, this is too much work, my kid's spending eight, nine, 10 hours a day in front of a computer, they adjusted, they listened. 
And then I think that's part of why they decided to do this format this time was to let them, you know, if you needed to do something else on a Monday, you could start your work at 11 or 12 if you needed to. You could work for an hour, take an hour off, work for an hour, take an hour off if that works better for you and not just be staring at a computer. I think that's their philosophy. Um, uh, because they've, they've sent us this model saying that kids should be working in 25-minute increments. You work 25 minutes, take a five-minute break, 25-minute, five-minute break. And then you have a 15-minute, actually, it's a 20-minute break because you have a 15-minute break between classes. And they ask them to get up and leave their study area for that five-minute break. Go to the bathroom, go get a snack, go see your pet, go check the mail, Do just leave. And then come back and do 25 minutes of work. And then you're done with that class period. That's an hour. Um, And you have a little break and do it again. 25 minutes, five. And I've looked at Isla's agenda and they've broken her like daily work down like that. Nothing is, I have one assignment that was half an hour. The rest of it was like 15 minute assignment and a 10 minute assignment. And then you take a break. So they're trying to help them manage their time on the computer. But I have never been so stressed as a parent as I was from March to June. And so what were you able to do for yourself, like just to manage that stress? Like, you know, when you're really in the beginning, especially when you were, you know, afraid and trapped in your house, what did you do? Nothing. I guess you guys didn't listen to my podcast from last week. (laughs) I collapsed two weeks ago from exhaustion and quite badly ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ah, Winning as a parent. <laughs> Seriously, Leanne. You're right here. It's almost healed. I had, uh, they glued my chin back together. Yeah, it was pretty fancy. Was so wait, how did, what? Give us the, I know you just talked about it, but just the one minute version. Um, I uh, got up, was walking to get my cat out. And I basically just kind of collapsed while walking at about six o'clock in the morning and um, really didn't think I'd hurt myself that bad, even though I had a nosebleed, inside my mouth bleed, this was bleeding, this was bleeding, huge contusions on my body. I just put everything back together and was like, I got to meet my contractor. I got to work out at 10. And my friend Sandy called me and went, you need to stop. Like, you, we got to go check you out. So I went to the hospital and they were like, yeah, people don't just collapse. This is something. They ran every test under the planet. And when I was in the ER, I started asking God what this was. You know, I was like, what is going on here? Is this my brain? And before I could even get the word brain formed in my brain, my brain heard the word exhaustion. And I went, no, no, no. Is it cancer? Exhaustion. No, 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 no. There's no way I collapse from exhaustion. No way. So is this like a heart issue? No, exhaustion. Before I could even get it, and I was like, okay, I should probably listen to that. That's my instinct telling me I might just be exhausted. And so I started piecing together why that would be. And I realized that probably late September last year, we got on a fast train of relentless work for Burt's business, buying a house, um, producing. I was helping uh, in a great deal with his um, shows that were going on for Netflix. I was doing a lot of heavy lifting with that. And then COVID hit where all that continued through COVID 
And because of COVID, uh, Bert was not comfortable with me having someone clean our house. So I, I then am now cleaning the house. Someone was, he was not comfortable with anybody walking the dog, uh, not comfortable with any tutors in our house, which I had for Isla. So all my support system that I had set up for myself so that I could support his career and do my own stuff, what left in the middle of all this intense, you know, make hay while the sunshine opportunities mm. were hitting the ground for Bert that I was having to be a great deal of support for and teaching eighth grade two to three hours a day. I'd have to sit with Isla two to three hours a day and drag her heels dug in through mud to learn the shit she needed to learn. So she's not lost in 10th grade. And, um, you know, and then recently my uh, Priscilla passed away, my dog really Aww. suddenly. And that was a huge blow for me because she was someone I spent a lot of time with. She was a big support for me. And uh, two weeks after she passed away, I just went downtown because I haven't been taking care of myself because there was no space for it. There was absolutely no space for it. All the fail safes I had in place before COVID left. and came back to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I did enlist my children to help me clean the house. They were fabulous. We cleaned the house top to bottom every Thursday. They never complained. They did a great job. So I didn't do it by myself. But let's face it. One person drives this train. Yeah. <laughs> one person drives the eighth grade train. One person was allowed to go out in public because my husband has anxiety and buy groceries. One person did any car repair, errand running, target pickup, that was me because he was so afraid of COVID and he thought my immune system is so good and he has <laughs> asthma that I should go forth. Not to mention he snores and typically he's gone five days a week, mm. but I have not been sleeping effectively since March. Mm -hmm. so, you know, when you go, 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 and then you yeah. go on vacation and you get sick mm -hmm. because you've been going so hard and then finally you relax and your body just gets sick. I think that's what happened. I had been going at such a pace since sept late September that school started. Bert went on the road. I finally got a couple nights of really good sleep and my body just was like shutting down. <laughs> We're just going to shut you down entirely and have you recalibrate everything. So I was not taking care of myself. That's the answer to that question. Not at all. And I don't know how I could have. I didn't have one minute in the day. Um, I did continue to work out. I did lose 20 pounds in the pandemic. So that's wow. impressive. Um, so I did take care of myself and I continued therapy. So I had this small lane where I convinced myself that was enough, you know, mm -hmm. and it just wasn't enough. So, I mean, I feel like there are moms, there are a lot of moms with that story in I this so. country, right? Well, not just this country, but I mean, yeah, especially with the school age kids. It's just like you said, like, what were you, what are you going to do? Like you did therapy, working out. I mean, I was eating that. well, clearly, because I lost 20 pounds. So I was eating very healthy. I was trying to sleep, uh, but not able to sleep well. Um, I really was, I don't, I don't know what else I could have done other than just not teach school which I wasn't willing to do. You know, she's, she's a kid that needs a lot of support. She's not a self-starter. And the modalities they were teaching, 
I mean, like she had seven teachers and every single teacher used a different modality. One would use Google Teams. One would use um, Sky, uh, not Skype, um, Schoology. One would use Zoom. One, and you, I had to make a spreadsheet of what class. One teacher used a different modality on different days. So you had to remember that Monday he's on Zoom, but Wednesday he's on Microsoft Teams. I mean, there's no way that this kid could keep up with this. I couldn't even keep up with it. It was so freaking stressful. And you're right. I think there are a lot of moms and probably dads that find this completely overwhelming. And I kept going, I keep forgetting that I work, (laughs) which is so (laughs) stupid because I work so much for Bert. But I keep thinking, what do people do that work? And then I go, wait, I work. I work. I work all the time. I just make my own hours. But my thought is, what do people do who have a nine to five type job, even if they're working from home, how in the world and how are we building resilience by in this time period? You know, I've been, like I said, I've been reading your book to my kids and some of it, I go, this is really hard to do in this moment. It's hard. Like Will you give an example of that? Does anything come to mind? Nothing comes to mind, but I remember going, huh, but right now this is hard. Um, and I don't remember what it, I don't remember. I wish I had written it down. Support is hard right now. Yes. Yeah. Support support is hard right now. Um, for me, support is almost impossible because even after this collapse and I I called Bert and said, I believe this is why this happened. He said, I believe you're right. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to hire someone to come back to clean your house and have them wear a mask and just either leave and stay in the yard or whatever. And he was like, no, that's really irresponsible. We can't do that yet. So I'm still in the same boat then. I'm still kind of continuing on in the same path. How do I regulate myself? So what I've started trying to do is taking my ridiculous to-do list Mm-hmm. and saying two a day, you can only do two a day. That's all you get. Instead of 10, you get two. And after that, you just got to just like be, be in the space, right? Be and does, does it work? Can you do it? Well, it's only been a week. <laughs> but yeah, so far it's been okay. Last week, it, this happened not last Friday, but the Friday before. So I gave myself until Monday to just unplug entirely, to Mm -hmm. just not worry about anything and to just let myself sleep if I needed to sleep, to not clean the house, to not walk the dogs. And uh, that was actually really hard because I'm used to spinning so many plates. I had to really regulate myself to just do nothing for a week. Not nothing, obviously, but to really pare down to almost nothing. Um, and then Monday came and I was, of course, completely overwhelmed yesterday from sunup to sundown. And then today is, is no different. Um, but I am only doing two things today. I have this podcast and I have a meeting about my Girl Scout troop and that's it. <laughs> that's all I'm doing. So I'm trying. I mean, doesn't it feel like a little bit like you're not alone in terms of the paring down? I mean, because I hear that from other people, too. It's like it's just not happening. and so everyone's getting a little bit of a break, you know, in terms of the expectations. Yes. I think that is happening for me now. My friend Sandy showed up on Sunday. I was released from the hospital Saturday. She came Sunday and was like, I feel like everyone else in COVID slowed down 
and you triple timed mm. because of everything that came back to me. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you need to do what everybody else is doing and just slow down. Right. So I think now I'm at that mindset. And I think that's the way to go is to think, we'd, why do I need that done now? For, for me, what was going on in that time period was I had deadlines with Isla for school. We had deadlines for Netflix that were real deadlines that, that I think other people didn't really have as much of. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a lot of choice in saying, <laughs> we're not going to go at that pace because it, that's just not the nature of the business. So just a bad time, bad time. Interesting. Cause yeah, a lot of other people did just get to pause Yeah, and for you to have to rev it up. Yeah, it was hard. With no support. Wow. With no support. All support removed. So it's been a crazy time. COVID's not my favorite for lots of reasons. Um, It's super scary. I feel like it's affecting my kids negatively. It's it's terrible that all these people are passing away, obviously, and that people are losing their businesses and their homes. And it's just so hard. It's really hard. Who do you see, like, do you have any examples of people in your life who seem to be like doing better or whatever, just like in term- mentally, like, do you have examples of any of your friends or, you know, people who are, seem to have come through it okay. And can you tell why, you know, are they, are there any themes that like, oh, well, people who have, like I said, like Jocelyn and I had a project, which I think really helped me because it made me feel more normal in the midst of, you know, all that. Right. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, uh, my friend Sandy is doing really well. Um, but I just talked to a friend yesterday who was in the same boat. She was like, my business is busier than ever. Like I haven't been this busy in years. And now I, I, my husband is not comfortable with the cleaning person. And now I find I spend my entire day Saturday cleaning Mm -hmm. with my kids. So I feel like she's in a similar boat to me where, you know, COVID for some people, it's made their business explode. Um, like podcasting industry has exploded. She is in a high end interior design furnishings and she's like, everyone's redoing their house. Mm. Everyone. So I'm like, order, 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 order. I can't catch my breath, which is a great problem to have. But now with the support being removed of her, her cleaning person, um, for, is the only one she mentioned. She's like, now I'm like working 12 hour days every day. I have a high, two high schoolers. And can't seem to catch her breath. So I don't know. Sandy seems to be doing well, but she, her husband's home, working from home. And um, I don't know how I can one-to-one it. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's why I didn't know if you'd have an answer. I just was curious, you know, if you look around. I mean, I feel like for me, the people who, um, who I see in my practice who are doing you know, worse, I would say, is like the loneliness, like people who are actually alone with no family. Mm. The loneliness is just crushing. Mm. Um, And then I think there's also a lot of like what you're talking about with just like all of a sudden having to like work and cook and clean and do all those things. Um, And then I see a lot of conflict between, like I said, like older kids and parents who really shouldn't be living together anymore. (laughs) You mean like out of the householder? Like out of the householder who are back in the house. Oh boy. You know, that's like, that's abnormal. I mean, that's like a recipe for (laughs) friction. For disaster. (laughs) For disaster. I know. Yeah. 
Um, and so you, how's, how's your move? How did it go? How do you feel about being where you are? I mean, you know, it's hot. <laughs> That's a stupid thing to say, but I mean, it's oppressively hot. Yeah. Um, you know, my life is really, um, I work a lot and I hang out with my family. My life is like pretty small that way. And so the convenience factor for me of living here, and it's like my office is eight minutes from my home, is eight minutes from the school, is eight minutes from the volleyball and anything you could possibly, I mean, it's Florida, right? So like any store you need is five minutes away. Right. So moving from Los Angeles, which was just so difficult and inconvenient, like just getting anywhere and doing anything. I have so many extra hours in my day now. So <laughs> for me, that that's, that's fantastic. You know, I mean, I miss my friends, that kind of a thing, but, um, I'm going to be an empty nester in three years. So I feel like eventually the world will be able to travel and see our friends again, you know? That's true. So the you convenience is just helpful for me. That's great. That's yeah. great. So you're happy. Yeah, it's that's good. good. That's good. You get, a, you get a lot more for your money here too. That's the house is nicer. <laughs> and your prop and your um, state tax is nothing. I mean, it's Which really good. Pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. Well, I was listening to... Um, an episode of a podcast on NPR, and I don't remember the name of the podcast, but they were talking about the housing market mm-hmm. and how there is a mass exodus from large cities that yep. people now, because of the pandemic, have decided I need more space and I need more outdoor space. Mm-hmm. And people are just exiting every major city. And we find that's true with a lot of comics. There's a lot of comics going, why am I living in LA? Really? Where are they yeah. going? Austin, almost all of them. Oh, that makes sense. They're going yeah. to Austin or a few, I think, are going to Nashville. But they're going somewhere where they can get more for their money, more space, okay. and have a major airport nearby. So they can, because for comics, they just need to be able to fly when this all gets back to whatever normal may be coming. I don't know. When when they can actually perform yeah. in large crowds, they'll just need to fly. So, Jocelyn, do you have any interest in moving out of L.A.? No, me neither. <laughs> no. Me neither. Um, sometimes I would, I mean, I'd like to have, everybody would like to have a vacation home somewhere. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I right now, right now I would like to be somewhere else. But generally speaking, I love Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, I am the same. We bought this house like late September. We're still trying to start remodeling it. Thank you, city of LA and the delays that has been happening during COVID to get our paperwork in order, our permits. Um, But when this happened, we were like, do we sell it and move? Um, Why are we staying here? That's one thing COVID has done, made you evaluate your life and see what is important and what matters. And um, that was one of the questions. Why are we living here? And we were able to answer that question and decide to stay here. But it's interesting that so many people are answering that question with, I don't know, where else can I be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, my family's this direction and my husband's job moved us here, but so it was a pretty easy decision for us. But um, the whole, like, the COVID thing did make me realize like being so far from my parents during something like this, like across the whole country, it's like, why, why are we doing that? Why not be closer? Like I can drive to my parents now, which just makes me feel. That's great. Yeah. just makes me feel better. Makes you feel better. Yeah. 
I wonder if that, I hope that shift is permanent, actually. Mm -hmm. I hope working from home for people is permanent. Um, I mean, even another, J.P. Morgan today I saw on the news said that they're going to make it permanent for their employees. That's a big New York bank saying that it's going to be, you know, the ability to work from home for, you know, in some form, you know, maybe you come once a week, maybe you come once a month, it'll be different for people, but, you know, is forever now which is going to be really interesting for real estate, you know, all those big office buildings. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will. It will be interesting for, uh, in that same podcast, uh, two of the three people live in New York. One was in Brooklyn and one was in Manhattan. And they're like, people are just exiting. What's that going to do to the value of my apartment? And now someone's going to be able yeah. to come into New York and buy an apartment. It's now, it's kind of, in some ways, I feel like it's, it's kind of leveling the playing field a bit mm-hmm. because it's, the housing market had gotten, especially in LA and New York and San Francisco, completely unattainable for most people. So hopefully it'll just kind of, which is not great for me who just bought a house. So if the value of my house goes down, that's not great. But for the greater good, that might be really a good thing. I find that interesting because the people that it's bad for are the people who can already afford homes. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but the people who've never been able to afford homes, you know, those, are, those are the ones I'm a little more concerned about. I'm very concerned about you and the value of your home, but no, 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 no. but, but yeah. generally speaking, yeah, it's outrageous here. The prices of homes should come down. They should I think, you know, they should. I mean, there's a luxury line that will probably never go down. Not yeah. really. And, but the regular, like my little three bedroom house should not be worth what it's worth. I mean, I'm glad it's worth what it's worth because that's in my pocket. But I look at it and go, seriously? I mean, there's no way I would pay for this today. I paid for it at the bottom of the market after the the housing crisis and got a great deal and put a lot of money into it and made it great. But I would never buy this house for that much money. It's crazy. So I don't know. Maybe that's one good thing that's coming out of COVID, right? And I mean, the other thing for, for me that I think is a good thing, just because I am a therapist, is that people now realize that you, I think more people are accessing help because this therapy works really well this way. So, I mean, that I think is a positive for people, people who maybe wouldn't have even done it. Right. Were, you know, we're so afraid and anxious during this time that I think people reached out and um, realized that, oh, I don't have to go and uncomfortable and sit someplace that doesn't feel right to me. I can actually just be in my safe little house and still get help. So some of those things are good. That is an interesting conversation. Uh, When Bert finished with the Travel Channel and was having some PTSD stuff, and I Mm -hmm. finally said, you need to seek help, I knew he needed someone at the time who could Skype. That was really the only modality at the times before FaceTime even. And I only found one therapist in all of Psychology Today list, one that would Skype. Wait, when was this? This was oh, probably five years ago. I mean, a lot of that was just the, you know, how the states have to regulate things was like re- regulation things. It's like, you know, the industry itself wasn't comfortable with HIPAA compliance and that kind of a thing. So therapist even wanted to, but, you know, technically we weren't allowed depending on where you lived, you know? So, but now that's just been totally out the window, totally changed. Yeah. 
Right. I think for the better. I think you're right. The, the number one problem with Bert being in therapy is that he's not physically in the same city ever. So right. I couldn't find him a therapist because I would call and go, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's on the road and they go, well, then I can't treat him. And I go, oh, well, shit, man. How do I get this guy help? Right. And I only had that one option. Um, and it really helped him. But um, I think that's brilliant. If people can access help through this modality, hell yeah. All day long. You know, what is a HIPAA compliant? What does that mean? Just that, you know, you, you, we have to make sure that everything we do is actually um, confidential. And so Skype actually and FaceTime, they're not actually confidential. So, I mean, technically some hacker could come in and, oh, I see. You know, so, but there are lots of confidential ways of doing this now. Got it. Um, I mean, tons of them just since this whole thing happened. So, I mean, you know, again, like not everyone, not every client cares, but I mean, we as the therapist, we have to, you know, make sure that we're not putting them in a situation where someone could record their video and put it out. I mean, like, you know, there are crazy people in the world, I guess. Yeah, there are are some crazy people. Yeah. What's been the hardest thing for you, Jocelyn, during this time? My goddamn Wi-Fi connection. Uh, nothing more frustrating is there oh my god the amount of time and money we have spent on this and to still be in this position and I mean my kids are doing online school I always work from home it's so frustrating but that's not the worst thing hopefully that's not the worst thing right no I mean I don't think that I'm in I'm in a better position than most people because my kid I'm divorced So being divorced is actually really helpful in this situation because my kids go away. Right. And so, you know, I get a little bit of of a break. And so I really like, I have to say I, I have it pretty good. Um, I'm obviously like very worried about that, you know, people dying. I'm worried about the economy, about jobs, about all of those things. But generally speaking, day to day, I'm fine. Right. You know, that's good. Yeah. I I mean, my girlfriend did say to me last week, she was like, you're the busiest coronavirus person I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is true. That is true. Where I just take on lots of projects. That's good though, I guess. Yeah, but I'm probably, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to collapse too. (laughs) Yeah. Take it, take a note from my page or something. Yeah. Take, yeah. Take, take heed. It was not fun. It was very scary. And I have to say, the emotional piece after that happened, um, I did not expect. You know, I am such a put your head down and push through person mm-hmm. that I was a bit of a wreck for like a week. I'd just cry spontaneously for no reason. It really shook me up. Um, it really kind of, I don't know if I felt scared, but I felt very vulnerable, mm-hmm. and very, um, very shaken up by the whole, the whole thing where I just, you know, I couldn't, and I also, I think we, we may have talked about this before when I did that personality test with that fella who said you're 98% other focused and this is not healthy. It made me feel like I had done no forward work for myself. Mm -hmm. It made me really upset with myself because I started my podcast to kind of start walking away from that 98% focused and start trying to focus on myself. 
And look what happens when the going got tough in life. I went right back into 98% other focus, like, like a knee jerk reaction. So hold on though, because you said there was nothing else you could have done. So like thinking about it really now, like really critically, like what could you have done during, given what the situation was? I don't really know. I tell Bert I'm not helping him. <laughs> I'm not helping you right. with these two projects that are extremely important and that you can't do by yourself. But I would never have done that. That's just not, that's actually the stuff I enjoyed that I would love working on. It was the minutia, the school, the cleaning the house, uh, you know, that stuff that I would have offloaded to someone else. And by that, you said you really couldn't, like you were not able to. So it doesn't just, I mean, just saying, it doesn't sound like you actually went backwards. It sounds like it was COVID. I mean, I'm letting you off the hook unless you don't want to be let off the hook. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm happy to be let off the hook if that's really what's going on. I'm, I'm, you know, I am one of those people that goes, what is my responsibility in this? What did, and what so did what, I, I mean, do? so what is the answer? Like, what's the toughest answer for yourself? Like, really, like, what is your responsibility in it? Was that I ignored, um, I ignored my needs. This was what I, I thought. When I, when the guy first came, I went, okay, here's what I do. Everyone else's want is a need. And my need is a want. A want is optional, always. But a need is never optional. So I just once again made my needs a want. Oh, you need eight hours of sleep? No, no, no. You want eight hours of sleep. Guess what? You can get five and be happy with it. So be really concrete and specific. So like if if tomorrow the things go back into the exact same restrictions they were or whatever, like what do you actually do differently to make it so that your needs some more get met? I think one of the things is to... uh, pare down my to-do list and my expectations of what I can get done, actually get done in a day and not run myself into the ground. So though there was some flexibility there, like you actually not besides just the cleaning and Isla and the school and all that, you actually took on things that were Ann Burt's work, other things that you could have let slide. I don't know. I think I maybe not let slide, but maybe not. Like, for instance, this is what I do. I sit down and I make a list. And I want to get that list done. As soon as I get it done, I can let go. But the list never stops. Right. Right? So then as soon as I get half the list done, I've added that much more to the list because that's the way life works, you know? All of a sudden, someone needs a dentist appointment. You need to, you know, get your tires changed. And the list just keeps going. But for some reason, my brain is looking for the list to stop. And it never stops. So I want to get the list finished. So I think that's a mind shift that I could probably take on instead of needing that to be empty, mm-hmm. to need to only take two or three things off to know that it's never going to be empty because I keep wanting it to be completely finished. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes it as long as it makes sense to you when you're thinking about it going forward is like, what, you know, how do you prioritize things? I mean, is it, is it school, Bert's work? Like, you know, just right, to make right. sure that you're, because it sounds like you have a few non-negotiables in there that could, yes. could fill up a whole list. Yes, I do have a few non-negotiables that could fill up a whole list for sure. Yeah. I think that's what makes it hard. Yeah. Is that 
that there's too many non-negotiables. So how do I make, how do I offload some non-negotiables? Like if my house is dirty, I hate, it stresses me out, but I have to adjust maybe that a little bit and say, guess what? The toilet doesn't get scrubbed till Saturday. There's nothing I can mm-hmm. do about it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. You were going to say something though, Jocelyn, what were you going to say? I sent it in a chat. I'm going to start <laughs> chatting you guys. That's uh, what I'm going to do. Don't know if you can see my chats, but might be interesting to talk about how hard it is to have your partner be on a different page with respect to how cautious you are being in COVID. I have that. Uh, Daryl has one long. So he he has one long. Oh, she's frozen. Yes. Why does he have one long? She she said, yes, he has (laughs) one long. But why does he have one long? Um, it collapsed several times. Why? So what's it called? Spontaneous new. I don't remember what it's called. It's a condition. It wasn't from an injury. Yeah. It was a condition. Oh, crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he does have to be careful. What? Well, let's talk about what it's like to have a partner that's on a different page. Well, cause it sounds like that's what's going on a little bit with you and Bert too. Like that's, yes. that's tough. You know, that is really tough. And it's like, in this case, it's, we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not like, oh, I have a disagreement with you about this one little thing. It's like, okay, we're going to permanent, not permanently, but for a long time. For a long time, what? Change our lives in a way that, you know, maybe doesn't feel good to one person. Yes. It's definitely out of balance. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. For in my, in my situation is very out of balance. It doesn't really affect Bert negatively that someone doesn't come and clean or walk our dogs. It affects me only negatively. So that is very hard. And I don't know how to fix that. Do you? No. (laughs) Kristen? Well, I mean, that's, you know, like, that's just one of those conversations, I guess, where for me, if I had you in my couples counseling, which would mean both of you would be there. <laughs> you know, it would literally be, it would be getting your prioritized list of needs right now in this moment, like on a piece of paper, you know, so that you can see like, these are my top five. And you know, you know what you're, you just collapse. Like you probably know what your top five are. Yes. And Bert gets to have his top five too. And some of them you guys have to do like for each other. And then some of them you have to allow the other person to figure out a way to get it done. And so, but now you have COVID and you have health on there, right? So it's like, it's usually pretty rare that there are actually deal breaker needs in couples lives. Like it's like to have another baby or not, that's one. Right. Like sometimes there are financial pieces, sometimes religion, but you know, but this COVID health thing is interesting because like, are you putting someone's life at risk? Like, even if you don't believe that, if they believe that, does that give it more priority? So, I mean, the only way I know how to do it is to like get it on a piece of paper and say like, we're going to do our best to make it feel fair. Like whatever that, you know, like it won't, it won't be balanced. It won't be perfect, but I want, I'm going to feel that like you're actually looking at my list and caring and I'm looking at yours and, you know, there's just no other way to do it. I That's think. really smart, actually, because, you know, fair is not equal. No, exactly. That's fair. exactly right. Um, and there were times where I felt like, this is not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not 
fair that you get to leave your shoes everywhere in the house and I pick them up all day long. When now I also have to clean. Come on. Mm -hmm. I actually did have a conversation with him about that. And he did adjust somewhat. And then he left. So that adjusted it completely. But that's a really great idea is to get it all down on paper because we are on a different page. Go ahead, Yaya. Well, and the thing that I was going to say is like even something like cleaning, for example. So if it's really important to you to have a super neat, tidy, clean house, but it's not as important for him, like then you've got to have that conversation because it's your need more than it is his need, right? So like then he's doing something for you, but not him. That's why it's like getting them down and like digging into them one by one right? so that you can own like, okay, well, it's actually, it's my need about the housekeeping. So the fact that you're not willing to do it or whatever it is, I'm just saying like, if you get it down, you can like dig in and be real about kind of who's doing what for whom so that it feels like you're being heard. Right. Right. Okay. I can do that. And kids too. Like this, this conversation about is like, you know, if, if you're putting everyone's needs in front of your own, you know, it's like seeing them all, like we have this thing in in the resilient space parenting thing, actually, where you just have a conversation about like, let's just have a family conversation about needs right now because we're all trapped in the house together. And it's like, they're circles, right? So that there's no hierarchy. Everyone, it's like, Isla gets a circle, you get a circle, Bert gets a circle, Georgia gets a circle. And for the purpose of this, no ones are more important than anyone else's. And so you're going to say like, what are your most important needs that would make your life as good as it could possibly be right now in this situation? And then let's figure out as a family, if we can try to make this feel okay. Again, it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be bound, but it's going to be everyone heard that it's really important for you to get to have, you know, one hour to yourself every day or wh- whatever it is. And so having that conversation, because the thing is, it's like needs conflict. Someone can't have peace and quiet if someone needs to hear their music. So you got to have them all on the paper in front of you and actually, you know, give every person the floor to explain, you know, why it's important and then see like, how can you help? Right. I think that's a great idea, especially the circles, because then nobody's more important. Um, exactly. Or you did it in three columns or four columns where everybody's yeah. just columned up. Um, exactly. That's a really great idea because, you know, my kids fight, which I'm sure is shocking in COVID. <laughs> no way. Right. Uh, no, it's so crazy. Um, but they fight about that exact thing. One kid wants quiet. The mm-hmm. other kid is so freaking loud. And it swaps. Right. They swap back and forth where one's quiet. The other one's loud and then they swap. But I've never I just I just parent in the moment. And instead of sitting down and going, let's lay everything on the table. And now we're all understood, especially to do it in a non um, confrontational moment. Right. Right. It's like to help everyone. And then you could, then they can actually schedule, like you get to be loud now, or you get to use this room now. I mean, it's so basic, but people don't do it. So you're just like putting out fires all the time. And then you're just refereeing, which is the worst part of parenting. You know, what's really interesting about parenting, I think, is that we, we really fly by the seat of our pants so much instead of take, taking a pause and saying, how do I prevent? It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like taking care of your health. You don't go to the doctor so you're sick instead of going for preventative medicine, right? Yeah. There's a lot of parenting that happens 
out of necessity instead of out of planning, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I bet your um, resilience-based parenting helps you parent out of planning. It's just helping you have those conversations that get bring this stuff up and in a moment, like you said, where you're not angry at each other. Right. It's like just bringing up those things so that you can all nicely and calmly have conversations where everyone can get heard, which right. just doesn't always happen in daily life. No, it doesn't. And we all, we get in, I, my family has gotten in the rut of Isla's in her room, George's in her room, I'm in the kitchen, Bert's in the living room. We come together and have dinner every night. But other than that, we're off in our own little section of the house. Because, I don't know, maybe they're in school, they're FaceTiming their kids, and to come together and have a discussion is, I think, brings you closer together as a, as a unit, right, as a family, to say, what's going on with everybody, and what, what do we need, and how can we help each other? And I mean, like basic things, we might've said this on one of the podcasts here before, but especially COVID, like makes you, with everyone in the house, it makes you realize like, Something like having the news on, for example, seems like kind of something basic, but like maybe, you know, like in my household, now my husband, he travels all the time. Now he's not traveling. So he's home and his office is like right where the main television is, where you would be like kitchen den area. And it's always on the news, which is depressing and anxiety producing anyway, but my daughter just hates it. And so it's like just one of those conversations that like, if you, for her to be like, say something when she's just walking by and irritated by it. It's like, what is, he's like, it's my house. But like, if you have a conversation about what is something that would just make me more comfortable and feel happier in this house all day long, he'd be fine turning that off. He's not even watching it half the time, you know? Right. So like, that's why those conversations are just so helpful. You just learn something like, Oh, I had no idea that you didn't like walking by that. Right. You know? Yeah. That's something I find is lacking now in my kids is, um, and I think this is completely normal, by the way, is a lack of, I wonder how this affects someone else in my house. <laughs> they have no awareness of how their behavior is affecting other people. And sometimes I think they don't care. <laughs> they really don't care. Right. They just need what they need when they need it. And then you can just deal with whatever. And I don't like that. Like, that's not who I am. And I don't think that's who I raised them to be. But in this moment, they seem to be very much like, sucks for you that you don't like what I'm doing. Uh, I've been trying a lot to get them to think about other people lately. And this is new, actually. I don't know if this is new because of their age or if it's new because they're so self-focused on um, connecting virtually with their friends and doing their own schoolwork. There's no sense of community in a real visceral kind of way. And they've just become more and more Mm self-focused because I can't get them to like do anything kind for each other lately, or maybe they're just cooped up together too long and they're sick of each other. You know, I don't know what it is. It's been, I mean, I feel like when people like when people are kind of anxious and it's like just hanging on, it's like everyone's sort of just like hanging on trying to get through. I mean, it doesn't usually bring out the best in people. And I think, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I think they are just like tired of tired of each other and like actually worry. Like when someone's, you know, underneath that anxiety is like a worry, like maybe I'm not going to be okay. Like, what if I can't do this this whole time? 
Yeah. Like, what if I don't do well enough in school? I mean, you know, there's, there's like legitimate, I don't know that there's really space. You know, what, one thing I always think is a, a great resilience tool is to get totally out of your head and your life and go and do something like go volunteer somewhere, like literally. So you, you, you're just like, you get such a different shift in perspective. You can't even think about your own problems. Right. But it's hard to do that right now because usually it's about like physically, you know, going somewhere and spending a day or, you know, going on a trip and building, you know, whatever. And it's like, so, I mean, I'm sure there are ways to do that now, but it's not as, it's just not as easy to totally shift out and become other focused like that. Right. Cause it's just going to be other on a screen again or, you know, yeah. it's not real. Yeah. Or it's not as real or as effective or whatever. It's just hard. This is a hard time. Yeah. Hard time. How do we wrap this up ladies? Johnson's frozen again. <laughs> Bless her heart. This would make me insane. Thank you. Sorry, I suck. You did not suck. But I like the use of the flashcard. Very good. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. She can still mark it, even if she's frozen. I love it. That's a girl always thinking. She's always thinking, well, I am going to join this as soon as we get off because I'm excited to see what you guys did. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> you know, we have the same birthday. I can't believe that. That is so cool. Yes. Happy birthday, Leanne. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. A little late, but happy Just birthday. How days. was your birthday? Oh, it was totally, well, the day was hard because it was the second day of school. But it was like, it was a great day. That's good. Yeah. How about, how about yours? Mine was amazing. You know, it was good. my 50th. And um, a few weeks ago, I started feeling really low because I wanted to have a dance party, like my own bat mitzvah kind of thing. Nice. It's like big time. I don't need the ceremony. I just need the dance party. But obviously in COVID, there's no dance party. So I was feeling kind of bummed. But I was really overwhelmed by the number of people who dropped off flowers, who dropped off cards. Two different people snuck in my front yard and decorated. That's um, so nice. My husband sent me 50 roses. Um, and uh, I got cakes and people showed up with food and, and just dropped stuff off. And I just really have, I don't remember the last time I felt so loved by so many people. It was really, really sweet and special and um and I really enjoyed it it was fun I'll take that every year on my birthday (laughs) it was really fun yeah it was great I mean I kept going there were so many flower arrangements in my house I felt like my house was full of friends it was really cool oh that's so sweet it was great but well, I can't wait to join this resilience-based parenting. I hope everybody else interested checks it out too. And if if you're if you uh, go to um, mcdermottmethod.com/slash/wotp, you can join. And if you're coming upon this later, here it is. Then please. Oh, no, the other thing that we're doing that's cool, and the last thing I want to say about it is that one of my friends um, who has kids who are my older kids' ages. So she was like, "Is this too?" are my kids too old for this or whatever? She was like, well, you let me know if they are or they aren't. And it kind of depends. Like, you know, if you're trapped at home with that age kid, it's just as powerful. But anyway, she was like, cause either way I want to sponsor someone. And we were like, we didn't even think of that. So then we, now we set up a scholarship program for people to be able to sponsor a parent who, 
you know, can't afford it. And we're going to work with a couple of different organizations who do like parenting stuff for, I, I found one in Florida and we found one in LA that we're going to um, offer scholarships to parents. Well, uh, can I do some scholarships? Well, Why yeah. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'll have some wife of the party scholarships. Okay, great. Thank Love you. That. Of course, of course. I'm, I don't know how to do that. So maybe we'll chat off to see how you do that. I don't know if I Yeah, can... it's basically just McDermott method forward slash scholarship or resilience-based oh, okay. parenting forward slash scholarship. So if anyone goes there, they'll find it. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. good. And then yeah. tell me really briefly about the divorce one. So the divorce is, um, it's really how to through that period of divorce and after how to, you know, raise resilient kids, but also there's sort of two things that happen. Either people become decent co-parent or co-parents who have a decently conflict, you know, like not conflict free, but their relationship feels like they can call it co-parenting or there are those divorces where it just feels like it's parallel parenting because they just, you know, aren't on the same page. Either way, we're just trying to help parents in that situation get to the point where they feel like, you know what, my kids are going to be okay. Like divorce doesn't have to have long-term negative consequences. Like you can actually use this, this actual transition period of going through a divorce to become stronger, like stronger yourself, your kids stronger and stronger as a family unit, whatever that looks like. I love that idea. When you first told me that idea, I thought that's the most amazing thing ever because my parents parallel parented. Yeah. 100%. And my takeaway from that parallel parent parenting was extremely confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very confused about a lot of stuff. So, and that's not my fault. It was the parents' no. fault for not being yeah. on similar pages or finding some way to work together. I think that's also brilliant. So for us, like it just takes the one parent. And like, again, even if the other person is not on the same page, it just takes that one parent to know like what kind of conversations to have in the household to help your kids make sense of what's going on. Everything. I love it. You guys are such brilliant, beautiful women on the inside and the out and your brains are so impressive. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us again. Thank you. Anytime. I love talking to you guys. I know we always talk kind of in not straight lines, yep. but I like that. I, I like that. And people who listen seem to like that too. So as long as you're cool with not talking in a straight line. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, keep well, enjoy your day. All and right. You too. The good Bye, thing about Florida is you like, you look five years younger. Oh yeah. My hair is really bad, but my skin's really good. So. Yeah, right. My hair is terrible in Florida. It, it looks like this. <laughs> It looks like this. (laughs) But it definitely puffs up the wrinkles, so that's good. It does. It does. (laughs) Well, Jocelyn, good luck with your Wi-Fi. (laughs) Bye. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you.